I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. The EU, of course, is uh, making it a little harder for Russian tourists to get visas. The move's intended to punish Russia for Putin's war in Ukraine. And we want to continue the conversation about Russia, what is happening there, how that should actually play out. And so we're going to uh, one of our great inside sources, Fiona Harrigan, who's the assistant editor at Reason, uh, always has such brilliant writing and great insight. Uh, Fiona, you've been following this very closely and uh, had a great piece just talking about how closing the borders to Russia actually helps Vladimir Putin, doesn't hurt him. Tell us why. Yeah, so to zoom out a little bit, um, you know, there's been this big suite of policies that Western nations have enacted against Russia in response to the country's invasion of Ukraine. And a big part of this has been border restrictions on not just uh, Russians who are directly involved in the regime, but normal Russians, ordinary citizens. Uh, So these restrictions have largely targeted tourists, and a lot of nations have implemented these very severe Uh, restrictions on tourists. Finland, for instance, cut those visas back by 90 percent. And the idea is that uh, these restrictions are going to keep Russians isolated. And this a lot of this ties back to uh, what Ukrainian President Zelensky has said, is that Russians should live in their own world until they change their philosophy. So that's kind of the motivating behavior behind all of these policies. Um, But as I argued in my, my latest piece on this issue, Uh, It's counterproductive for a couple of reasons. I think on a small level, it will end up keeping a lot of vulnerable people in Russia. Uh, You know, you try to restrict tourism, you're actually going to restrict a lot more than just tourist behavior. You're going to keep in people who are uh, probably at humanitarian risk, at risk of persecution. And that's something that Putin obviously wants. Right. He wants those kinds of people to be trapped in the country, political dissidents, LGBT people and so on. And I think there's also this bigger point of Russians being kept in their country, keeps them away from ideas and accurate information about the invasion, things that would actually compel them to change their minds and to challenge leadership on this to the extent that they can. So I think these are two really important threads that are neglected in these conversations. And unfortunately, a lot of countries are moving ahead with plans to keep out Russians. Yeah, let's let's pull on a couple of those threads for a minute. Uh, one of the things you talked about just in terms of those who, you know, may get out, they may be a political dissident or they may be someone who has been outspoken is now being targeted by Vladimir Putin and uh, his folks. Uh there's also kind of this element of uh, the brain drain. Isn't there a, uh, a way that some of these uh, really brilliant Russians who, who don't agree with Vladimir Putin either could be using some of those visa options or to go into other countries? And wouldn't that also have an impact if, uh, if the talent pool uh, was, uh, was drying up a little bit inside of Russia as well? 
Absolutely. I think that's a really important tactic during war times. Uh, to the extent that you see these countries as adversaries, you want to drain them of their productive power, right? Their engineers, their tech employees, and so on and so forth. And I think it's really important that countries keep those pathways open, not just for their own benefit, because these workers really would contribute to their economies as well, but to the uh, kind of the harm of the Russian economy. Certain countries uh, have kind of very staunchly said that they're only going to restrict tourism. Um, That's not entirely the case as of now. Uh, Latvia, for example, is uh, preparing amendments to its immigration law to keep out certain migrant workers from Russia, too. So there's certainly bleed and kind of mission creep on this policy issue already. And I I think there's concern about it going further as well. Yeah, I think that's an interesting component to all of that. And then and then when you Add to that, the I think this is one area, of course, President Zelensky has uh, received high praise and high marks for uh, a host of things that he's done during the course of this. This is one area where I think some people are saying, wait a minute, that, that doesn't quite ring true if we're just trying to keep them all locked up behind the uh, the Russian border there. Doesn't that prevent us from, from spreading some of those ideas or helping them to see what the, the real news is beyond what they're being fed inside of Russia? Uh, is there any pushback to that? Uh, or are there any other world leaders who are saying, okay, here's here's one where maybe you ought to rethink a little? There are several world leaders who are pushing back on this. Uh, two powerhouses in the EU, Germany and France, both say that this really doesn't make sense and that uh, sanctions are meant to be targeted. Now, you don't want to punish innocent people for the sins of their government. Uh, and mind you, the Russian government isn't exactly one that responds to democratic impulses. <laughs> it's not like people can vote out their leaders. And then also President Biden has resisted these kinds of calls, too. And I think it fits this broader trend of people looking at the Ukrainian government with clear eyes, right? They've been invaded. Obviously, that's a terrible, awful thing. But when you criticize a liberalism, you don't want to fall into a liberal tendencies of your own. Mm. And in Ukraine, there have been things like banning uh, publications in Russian uh, and certain other measures, right? Even not allowing young men to leave the country and forcing them to stay in fight that I think draw a lot of justified criticism. Uh, I think that's such an important way to, to keep that balance in there. It's such a, a tricky thing to uh, to navigate through all that. What else are, are you watching, Fiona? Is this as this continues to march on? There's obviously some elements of fatigue in terms of uh, the war itself and and what's happening and what's going on. We hear of these counteroffensives now and and what that might mean. And of course, we're heading into a long winter as well. What else is on the horizon like this that we should be talking about or thinking about that we might have a little under the radar. I think something that very few people are talking about is U.S. involvement. And we really don't want to call it involvement because to us, involvement is very visible in in conflicts. But we've been implicated pretty severely, both in terms of military spending and then uh, things as, as large as CIA commandos operating in Kyiv. And there was a recent announcement that we were uh, kind of launching this multi-year training operation where we'll be assisting Ukrainian soldiers. And it, it kind of trends toward a lot of these kind of more nation-building, heavy involvement aspects of conflict. So I'm really interested to see just how deep uh, American political leaders are going to bring the country. But then I'm also very interested in seeing how this specific migration policy also plays out. 
whether people will be barred from leaving for humanitarian purposes, what those protests are going to look like if Russians do end up protesting this policy. Uh, just a lot of uncertain aspects that are, are going to be interesting and, and potentially very damaging. Yeah, great insight as always, Fiona Harrigan, assistant editor at Reason. A great piece. We'll continue to tap into your great mind and great perspective uh, on what's happening. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Always a pleasure. All right. Again, that's Fiona Harrigan uh, from Reason. And uh, her, her analysis of all of this is so good uh, in terms of looking at that. What what happens if we really do shut down that border, if we really don't allow Russians to travel, whether they're tourists? Uh, often it's getting out on a tourist visa uh, for political pur- purposes or for humanitarian purposes, uh, all of that. And then, of course, the brain drain. What would that mean for Vladimir Putin uh, if the, the best and brightest of Russia uh, left and went elsewhere? What would that do to the economy? What pressures would that take? Uh, all of those things are so important. And then, uh, as she mentioned there at the end, the U.S. involvement, obviously a lot of military spending going there, a lot of CIA action, a lot of training, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, this is going to get even more messy, more difficult, more complicated. We've got to have clear eyes and clear conversations in terms of how we help this path move forward. All right, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. If you're tired of the mainstream talking heads, you're not alone. Chris Steyerwalt joins us to discuss his new book, Broken News. How we can restore trust in the industry. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.